0: I'm just a poor wayfaring stranger, traveling through this world below. Lord, I swear there's no pain. I know there's no danger. That bright.
1: to this podcast from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. Faith Bible Church is a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching ministry dedicated to bringing the good news of the gospel to the whole world. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And now, for this week's message from Pastor Alan Battle. So in our passage this morning, the Apostle Paul says that he's pressing on toward a goal. Without goals... People just drift through life. (coughs) Goals define our purpose. And without them, we can't accomplish a purpose. In order to pursue a goal, though, we must have a vision of that goal. So this morning, I want to talk to you about the vision of where we are heading as a church this year in 2020. And I couldn't resist using this sermon title today i'm sure that there's thousands of pulpits doing the same this sunday but you know this opportunity only comes once so here it is the title is 2020 vision (laughs) so in 1927 10-year-old orville rogers had a vision for his future Charles Lindbergh had just crossed the Atlantic Ocean in a solo flight in his plane, The Spirit of America. And then that same year, Lindbergh actually flew over the schoolhouse that Rogers attended in Oklahoma. And this greatly inspired the young boy. In those days, pilots would go on what they called barnstorming tours. And they'd fly from town to town and they'd put on shows and they'd give people rides in their planes. And when one barnstormer landed in Orville's neck of the woods, the boy asked if he could go up. The price, said the pilot, is $4. That's a lot in 1927 for a 10 year old boy. But he ran home and he broke open his piggy bank. And he got the $4, and he got his first ride in an airplane. Thirteen years later, when World War II broke out, Orville joined the Army Air Corps, and he became a pilot. And after the war, he continued to pursue his dream and became a commercial airline pilot. He had a vision, and he pursued his goal until he obtained it. But Orville Rogers had a much deeper vision for his life than that of just flying planes. And we'll see that vision later in the sermon. Now, before we get into our passage for today, I want to ask you a question. What is vision? The modern church growth movement talks a lot about vision. They say that one of the crucial skills that a church leader must have is is the ability to cast a vision. Vision casting, they say, is absolutely necessary for the growth of the church. And the proof text that is used among proponents of this movement is found in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen. <coughs> and that should be the next slide. There we go. It says, <coughs> where there is no vision the people perish. So what is vision according to this new movement in the church? Listen to how one church growth leader states it. He said, All memorable achievements were brought about by leaders who had vision. God uses visions to excite leaders because excited leaders get the most out of followers. Active followers accomplish much. And Christ's body keeps getting bigger thanks to prevailing local churches. That's why Proverbs 29.18 clearly states, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now here's another quote from another leader. He says, Proverbs 29.18 says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. They can't focus, they can't reach their goal, can't follow their dream. The older translation says, without vision, the people perish. I've seen it with my own eyes. Without vision, people lose the vitality that makes them feel alive. Now that same author says, vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. So vision, according to these authors, is an integral part of church leadership. A leader who does not cast a vision to follow leads his church into destruction. and the words, the people perish, is often interpreted by proponents of the church growth movement to mean that churches without a clear vision will lose members and be unable to grow numerically. But is that what this verse from Proverbs is teaching? In both quotes that I just gave you, only half of Proverbs 29.18 was cited. In fact, in those circles, you never hear the second half of this verse because it drastically changes its meaning. Let's look at a few modern translations of this verse in their entirety from the New Living Translation. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Or the New King James, where there is no revelation, The people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. New Revised Standard Version. Where there is no prophecy, the people cast off restraint, but happy are those who keep the law. And then in our ESV. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. That sounds a little different, doesn't it? In the Old Testament, a vision is a word from the Lord, and it comes through prophets. It's divine revelation. Look at 1 Samuel 3.1. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no frequent vision. Notice that the word of the Lord is equated with vision here. That word means a supernatural communication in words or images. Sometimes that word was given to prophets to proclaim to Israel, and sometimes they recorded it and it became scripture. Isaiah, Ezekiel, Obadiah, and Nahum, they all call their books a vision from the Lord. And Daniel uses that word more than anybody else, referring to all the prophecies that God gave him. And in this proverb, it has a specific meaning. It is the law of God. You notice the second half of that verse. But he who obeys the law. So what is vision? It's a word from the Lord. And for our purposes in this day and time, vision is the revelation given to us in the Bible. It's not the plans of a dynamic church leader who can inspire others to work hard toward a goal. I mean, that might be a good thing, but that's not what vision is. I've studied the qualifications for elders very carefully, and I can confidently tell you that vision casting is not one of the qualifications. However, teaching the Word of God is one of the qualifications the word is the solid foundation that the church is built on and it is the nourishment that fuels its growth <clears throat> the word's all we need for the year 2020 look at second peter chapter 1 and starting in verse 19 peter says and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Scripture here. In this letter, (coughs) Peter just had related his experience that he and James and John had when they went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and they saw Jesus glorified and they heard a voice from heaven and it said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So when he says here that the prophetic word is more confirmed, he's comparing that voice with the scripture, with the written word. It's a more sure thing. And that scripture, he says, is a lamp that guides our way. This is what gives us vision. So the vision that I have for Faith Bible Church in 2020 is for us to know and to live the Word of God, the Bible. So now let's go back to our text for today. And here we have Paul's goals in this earthly life. So verse 10 he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. These are big ambitious goals aren't they? But are they only for super Christians like Paul? No. They're for anyone who is a follower of Jesus. All believers should want to know him better. And this is a knowledge by experience, not just a head knowledge. And all believers should want to live the supernatural power of a resurrected life. But here comes the hard one. All believers should want to identify with Jesus in his suffering. Suffering is inevitable in this life. It's impossible to live a pain-free life. But when we live for him, then our suffering has purpose. and has meaning. And what about becoming like him in his death? Well, this is not our physical death. It's the sacrificial surrender of our life to him to serve in his kingdom. And the last goal in Paul's list is resurrection. When we lose our life, then we gain it. And we resurrected to live for Christ. And notice, none of these goals is fully realized. They're all things that Paul is striving towards every day. The New American Standard makes this passage a little clearer than the ESV. Look at it <coughs> verse 12. Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that, for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. None of us has arrived yet. We'll never be done pursuing these goals until we reach that finish line. The one thing that you cannot do, though, when you're pursuing a goal, is to hang on to the past. You can't look back. You can learn from mistakes in the past, but you have to let them go. So he says in in the next part of the verse, But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is where you're going. Paul's using the analogy of a race here. He's focused on the finish line and nothing else. He's in this for the long run. And he's continually pushing toward that finish line. And his goal is the prize at the end of the race. Look at verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So what is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? Well, it's not the goal of salvation. That's already been accomplished through the death of Christ on the cross. Paul's not saying that if he runs long enough, if he runs hard enough, then he's going to get saved. No, that's secured already because of what Christ did on the cross. He paid the price for sin, past, present, and future. No, the call of Christ is for people who've already been saved. It's the call to follow him and build his kingdom until it's complete. So when we pursue this goal together as a church, we build his body. And we will cross that finish line someday when the building is complete. That's the upward call. So if you're listening to this today, and none of this makes sense... Uh, If you really don't understand or care much about building Christ's church, then maybe you're not a member of that church yet. When we come to know and love Christ by repenting of our sins and confessing him as Lord, then we begin loving the things that he loves. And the number one thing that Jesus loves on this earth is his church, his bride, the body of Christ The Apostle John tells us that if we don't love the church, then we don't belong to Christ. That's pretty simple. So what if we do love his church? If we do, then we contribute to that upward call, each of us in our unique way. So for my part, I look to Colossians 128 for my guidance and purpose in ministry. I identify with Paul as a teacher and as a preacher when he tells the Colossians this in verse 28. Him, Jesus, we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's my goal for 2020. This is my vision for Faith Bible Church, to help every one of you to mature by proclaiming all wisdom. But not my wisdom. It's the wisdom of the Scripture. In pursuit of that goal, I will continue to preach the Word as faithfully as I can. Um, It's the only thing that's going to accomplish God's work in your lives. And if in 2020, God decides to lead the elders and me in any new ideas or plans to help grow the church, that's great. He can do that if he wants. But without the true vision of the word of God at the foundation, all such plans are worthless. Like it says in Psalm 27.1, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. I don't know what the Lord has for us in 2020. But I'm committed to making the Lord and his word the foundation of whatever we do. Now, Orville, he had goals. He had goals for his future in aviation. But all of his accomplishments as a pilot would have been meaningless without the true foundation, the vision that he had for his life. At age 10, he got the vision for flying. But that wasn't all. Let's watch this.
2: Around that same time, Orville felt another call. He came to faith in Christ and has never looked
0: back. In this little town of Sulphur, Oklahoma, my mother took my sister and me across the street to a Southern Baptist small church. And one Sunday night, I just felt God calling to repent of my sins and trust Him as my Lord and Savior. It is a decision I have never regretted.
2: Orville received his bachelor's degree from the University of Oklahoma and was enrolled in seminary in 1940 when World War II broke out.
0: I asked them if I could enlist in the Army Air Corps and learn to fly instead of being in the walking army, and they said, sure. So that was God's way of turning me around from what I perceived to be a career in vocational Christian service to one of... Every bit as important, a layman in God's service doing his work for his glory.
2: That work included a 30-year career as a commercial pilot, as well as flying missionary trips to South America and Africa.
0: In 1965, I met the founder of Wycliffe Bible Translators, William Cameron Townsend, said, I'm an airline pilot. There's no way I can plug into your program. He said, well, we have an airplane in Miami, and then they asked me to fly it to Bogota which was my first ferry flight experience with Wycliffe or Southern Baptist. I eventually ended up ferrying 46 missionary airplanes, 20 of them inside the United States. 26 of them were in South America or over the Atlantic or Pacific Oceans. And that was quite a challenge to uh, to fly across an ocean in a single engine airplane.
2: Along the way, Orville and his wife also began investing in real estate and the oil and gas industries, which enabled them to later support many ministries.
0: My wife and I determined that we had to increase our giving, which we did, and God blessed our investments. In the course of my wife and I, our marriage together, and since her death, she and I have given away over $35 million to God's work. Now, to put that in perspective, uh, you need to realize that my total earnings from Braniff and the Air Corps and Air Force were about $1,600,000. So God was able to multiply that, I think, because of our faithfulness.
2: He also became a long-distance runner after reading several studies on longevity and exercise.
0: Dr. I-Min Lee from Brigham and Women's Hospital... She compiled a study. Her conclusion was that people who exercise very vigorously for long periods of time could expect to get back, in added lifespan, nine hours of added life for every one hour of physical exercise. That is phenomenal.
2: Orville not only ran a number of marathons, he holds two world records in the 90 to
0: 100 age category. I entered two races in Boston, Massachusetts, March the 23rd, 2008, the 800-meter and the one-mile run. And three weeks before the race, my wife died. And I talked to my children about it, and we agreed she'd want me to continue to compete, so I did. And I won the 800 meters, set a new world record. The mile record, I really slaughtered. I read it in 957.
2: Two years ago, Orville wrote his life story in his book, The Running Man.
0: It tells of my experiences in in life, my flying, my running, my giving, and my family life. And I hope it's a, a benefit and a help to people who may be questioning how they need to serve the Lord better.
2: Orville says his desire has always been to run the race well, as the Apostle Paul encourages us. And to finish well.
0: I never asked God for fame, riches, or long life, and He's given me all three. I don't want to uh, fail my Lord in the last days of my life. I have seen too many people, too many examples of people in public life who failed somehow or other in their later years to keep their high moral standards. That's the primary prayer of my life these days that I will live well for Jesus as long as he gives me life and breath.
1: Isn't that something? He thought he needed to go into full-time ministry in order to serve God, but God showed him that he would be serving him in other ways. And he knew how important it was to press on and continue running that race all the way to the end and his end came just a couple of months ago in in November Orville passed away at the age of 101 <laughs> years old <laughs> so go to Leslie's exercise class and <laughs> uh, you know every one of us has the same calling as Orville does though or did to serve God to the end wherever he's placed us in life. So I'm going to do my part in 2020 to encourage you in that race, but my role is small compared to the larger body of Christ. Each of you has the responsibility to make this thing work. Look at Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This verse is often used to encourage Christians to attend church on Sundays, and I'm thankful for how faithful you all are to meet together here every week. It it really does inspire me. It helps me to prepare something that's going to be helpful for you each week. But... While Sunday worship is important, this verse goes far beyond that. It says to stir up one another to love and good works. It doesn't say meet together so that the preacher can stir you up to love and good works. It says do it for one another. And this is more than just giving each other an attaboy, a pat on the back. It takes true commitment and dedication to each other's well-being. It takes deep and lasting family ties. This is what it means to be brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a week-in, week-out connection with people that you really care about, that you really love. And small groups should be a place where this kind of connection can take place. I have uh, some friends (coughs) who were in a small group together. And one night, one of the ladies in the group got a call that her husband was in the hospital because he just tried to kill himself. Who was the first person that she called? Her small group leader. And the ladies of that group came around her. And (coughs) they were there for her for one of the hardest times in her life. That's what families do for each other. So how far should that commitment extend? Would you sacrifice financially for a brother or sister? Would you be willing to risk losing your job for them? Or maybe even going to jail for them? Well, that's just what some of these Christians did who are mentioned here in this passage in Hebrews. It says in Hebrews 10.34, For you had compassion on those in prison... And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Those believers knew that if they went to visit the ones in jail, that they could bring big trouble on all of them. But they did it anyway. What would give them the strength to do that? What would give them the motivation? What would encourage them to love that deeply? Well, The next part of verse 34 tells us, Since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. The possessions that we have on this earth are nothing compared to the stuff that God's going to give us in the next world. That's an eternal perspective. That is a realistic vision of the future. And not just for 2020. It's a vision for the end of the age this is what it means to press on toward that goal in the next verse in this Hebrews passage the author encourages us to do just that he says it this way in verse 35 therefore do not throw away your confidence which has a great reward for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God you may receive what is promised don't throw away your confidence don't give up Press on towards that goal. So in 2020, it's going to be my constant and urgent prayer that we all will obey this passage of Scripture. Look at it again. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider, think about it, make it a matter of meditation. How to stir up one another to love, and to good works not neglecting to meet each other meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near do you see the day drawing near every day is one day closer to Christ's return I promise that I will do my part will you commit to do yours this year Vision is necessary. And there's really no such thing as a lack of vision. There's either godly vision or there's counterfeit vision. And when there's a vacuum caused by the absence of a vision from the Lord, another vision will take its place. So don't let anyone divert you from the true course with their false visions. God told the Israelites through the prophet Jeremiah, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. False visions, they can come from outside the church, they can come from inside the church. Make sure the ones you listen to are coming from the word of God. And I know you hear this from me all the time, but it's so important that I have to keep saying it. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Study it, understand it, and live it. This is how we prepare ourselves for this race. There's no other way. So make sure the vision you're following is leading you toward that prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, that our vision comes from your word. Lord, that you lead us and guide us as you've promised. So, Father, we commit this church to you in this coming year, and we ask you to do with us as you see fit. And we will give you all the honor and all the glory for what you will accomplish. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the preaching of God's Word from Faith Bible Church in Reno, Nevada. We hope that it has been an encouragement to you and that the Word
0: of God will fill your hearts and minds as you walk through this world. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would like to make a small donation to help defray the cost of this podcast, just click on the green support Us" button at the top of the webpage. Thank you.